Okay, Under the Bar podcast here. Tom Hewitt is my name. With me, as always, is Rawdon Dubois. We've got Cam Club Menegoni, the Wookiee, on the mm-hmm. panel, pressing all the buttons. Rawdon, very, very appropriate this morning on the way into the studio, I bumped into on the street one of our, um, one of do our, tell. our good uh, supporters of the podcast hmm, and a long-time hmm, listener. Hmm. First-time caller? Arnold Mitt. Arnie, yes. Arnie. Yeah, he's often floating around uh, Martin Place there. I think he works up there near the, the, the Tesla... Uh, showroom right I so I him up there for coffee yeah he was uh you know fluttering around as he does and you know a million things going on in his yeah, mind he's a bit of a scatterbrain but yeah. uh, i think he's very i think he's a lawyer isn't he some i think sort so of, some sort yeah, of uh, a far more uh educated than us and uh very very uh very very nice guy and uh He's still in pretty good shape. Well, he just did a, co- a comp recently with uh, with Jess under Jess uh, Murphy, Super Coach. Oh right, out at the bunker there. She awesome. uh, she coached him up to. Uh, I think he did a couple of shows. Yeah, he got smoked when um, at, at the bigger one, but uh, he did a little one up uh, up in Newcastle, I think, and did, did quite well. Mm. Um, it looks awesome. But he's about a hundred thousand years old, and he's still going strong. Well, that's what I said. I said it's very appropriate, Arnie, that I bump into you this morning because yes. we're actually on our way into the studio to record mm. some content for. A wonderful interview we've done with Dr. Mike Isratel from mm. Renaissance Periodization, mm. Mm. all about hypertrophy training for that older demographic. Yeah, don't know? look at me when you <laughs> say that. Mate, I'm always looking at you. <laughs> Every time I say something, oh, could yes. re- anything with age, uh, yeah. anything with anabolics. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you squint. <laughs> I, I know when you start squinting that you're, that you're really thinking about me. Um, um, well, and, and we, we, we do have to actually, uh, there will be a, a language warning on this one. Oh yeah, yes. he gets loose. Doctor Mike gets when, when he when he's talking to the boys uh, down under on the under the bar. We, he knows that we're loose. Yeah, he does get. So loose. he reciprocates by being very loose. There were lots of F and C bombs, and uh, he's actually out here. He is very soon, a couple of weeks time. Uh, he's going to be in Sydney doing a seminar. That's Sunday, June the seventeenth at Warrior Performance down there with Shannon Green, and yep. he does give Shannon Green a real hard time in this podcast. <laughs> when I, I think he referred to him as the C, effing C, I think. I think he might have said that. Shannon's a nice guy. Yeah, super nice guy. But he's out with the. Uh, he's doing a bit of a, a tour before he heads down uh, south of the border, down to Mexico. Mm-hmm. But he's uh, touring with uh, his couple of uh, colleagues. Uh, well. Well, uh, renowned uh, or known in their their, their own right, uh, Dr. James uh, Hoffman. He's his, uh, uh, Mike's partner in crime, and yeah. also uh, there's another Dr. Melissa Davis, which uh, I think she was out last time. So she's a nutritionist, I think. But uh, very interested to hear what she's got to say. Actually, yeah, we're so actually going to head down there. Yeah, we'll so try and get down there to uh, Warrior Performance on Sunday, the 17th of June. June. Yep. Then he's down in Melbourne for the Ultimate Evidence-Based Conference. That's yeah. JPS Health and Fitness. Well, I'll hit the, the, the guys around. It's actually, actually the Melbourne Convention Exhibition Exhibition Centre, so it's huge. Huge, right. Massive uh, three-day extravaganza, I think, from memory. But okay. Alan Aragon there, Schoenfeld, that's going to be uh, pretty pretty solid, uh, well worth going to. A big one. So that one starts Friday the 22nd of June. Yeah. And then I think he's floating around yeah. the country doing a few more. Yeah, he, I think he will, uh, if, if I recall correctly, he does mention them at the end of this interview. So um, he does. We'll let him do that. But uh, really excited to have him back in the the studio. Mm. Uh, you know, maybe when he's in Sydney, we can uh, maybe try and get him in, but probably not. Yeah, we'll see. I took a lot away from this interview, Rawdon. Like, yeah, it was pleasing to me to know that. Uh, and I don't want to give too much away because he'll explain it far better than what you or I can. Yeah. But there is, there does seem to be this bell curve of diminishing returns. As you start aging, 40s, mm. yeah, 50s, mm. well, <laughs> 60s, nah, forget it, you know. 
Um, but the amount of work required mm. to maintain the muscle mass that you have, yeah. you know, he described this dead zone in between what it would what it would take to build fresh muscle mm. and what it takes to Forget retain retain the muscle that you have. And there's quite a discrepancy between the two. Mm. And there's no greater benefit from floating too far in the middle there, you know, working harder than you have to for no Return extra result yeah. than, just main, than just maintenance. So, yeah. you know, you can sort of take the foot off the gas a little bit and it's certainly something that I've been experimenting with lately, just just, just dialing back and seeing well, how, look, how little I can get away <laughs> with, man. You, like, you've got many, many years of hard... you got to... No, in the trenches, mate. you are still got to be pushing six days a week, really chasing that hypertrophy yeah. train. Now, you can't back off yet. Now, I, on the other hand, yeah. I can start backing off a little. Well, the other thing that he said that was very pleasing to the year from my perspective was mm. that, you know, as you approach the 40s, which, mm-hmm. you know, I'm 37 mm-hmm. now. Yeah, so ooh, you really squinted yeah. the eyes then. I can tell that. That was true for our listeners. Yeah. When he squints, it's authentic. Yeah? He said, if you've been natural up to this point, you could start to tinker with oh. some, some TRT, uh-huh. get, into, get into your 50s oh. and maybe then start to push run a little. Run a course. Run a course. Run mm. a day. And, mm. you know, and then by your late 50s few, and your 60s, you can have the best physique of your life. Yeah. A few peppy lapus in there as well, huh? Absolutely. A couple of peppies. Maybe some psalm-based activity. Oh, yeah. now you're talking. Prongs. Prongs. Prongs right. in the uh, the androgen receptor for our <laughs> listeners. Yeah. yeah. We'll elaborate on that another time. But yeah, yeah well, absolutely awesome to have Mike back on and a very, uh, very passionate, uh, as always, delivery of uh, content. Um, okay. Well, we'll go to uh, Dr. Mike Isratel right now. All right, Rawdon, as promised, mm. uh, Dr. Mike Isratel from Renaissance Periodization back. is back on the line, which is very exciting. Now, um, when uh, Broderick Chavez was out here recently, Rawdon, I remember, actually, Dr. Mike came up in conversation a few times. He did. He and, got referenced. Yeah, and Brod's actually admitted that he, yeah, he, did, he does like him. I was like, ah, yeah. gotcha, you do like people. Yeah, yeah. Um, one, of the, one of the few. I think I'm the, on, I, strangely, yeah. I'm on that list as well, but yeah, yeah I think we made the cut. But he then went on to say, he said, the problem with with Dr. Mike is that after he finishes his training, his bodybuilding, he just wants to go back to a normal person. Yeah. And we all had a bit of a chuckle. Had a bit of a chuckle. Like, yeah, right. He'll want to be, uh, continue to be jacked as, jacked AF as, 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 well, certainly I do. Tom, you're a different, different breed, but, mm. uh. But so we're gonna we're gonna delve into that world today, aren't we, Tommy? Well, yeah. Just you know, you're obviously early four, <coughs> sorry, early thirties. Yes. Uh, I'm approaching forty. Ooh. So I think it's relevant to discuss, you know, hypertrophy as you sort of age, so and there are other things that need to be taken. Training, into account. nutrition, like whether we should be focusing on uh, still trying to be uh, the most jacked dude in the gym at the age of uh, whatever. Mm. We're going to cover all those things today. Awesome. So, Doctor Mike, welcome back to the program, mate, and thank you for your time. Well, it's, uh, thank you so much for having me. I love talking with you guys. Just to be on the record, Broderick doesn't actually like him. I pay him a good deal of money every month to say that he does. <laughs> yeah, that's more like it. Yeah. So, or, and, and probably give him a couple of bags of coffee and then uh, he'll say whatever. I actually pay him in coffee. <laughs> yeah. Coffee beans. Yeah, that, I can imagine. So, Mike, apart from all the stuff that you are well known for in the world of hypertrophy and all that sort of stuff you have i have seen a couple of talks that you've done regarding just nutrition for general health and um certainly there seems to be a correlation with mass and uh a A lack of general a lack of general health that's kind of where we're coming from here what are your thoughts on that these days yeah so like um there's a couple of factors one is how lean you are the leaner you are then the more muscular you can be and not be 
costing yourself too much health. Yep. Another factor is, of course, how jacked you are. If you're weighing, I don't know, 80 kilos or less, eh, you know, <laughs> you may very well be muscular, eh. but that's nothing to worry about mm. as far as health. Yeah. If at any normal height, you know, anything under a meter 80, you start to weigh more than 80 kilos or anything over, you know, anything over a meter 80, you start weighing more than 100 kilos, then you are making a, a sort of calculated trade-off between longevity and quality of life. Like if you consider your quality of life higher when you're jacked, I know how you Aussies do, go on your little Thailand vacation. We all know what happens there. <laughs> yes. uh, and uh, apparently that's actually a, literally a thing. The anabolic holiday is a thing. Oh, there's oh, yeah. no thing. There's nothing like that in the United States, by the yeah. way. Um, Down to Mexico. But, uh, yeah, I get, yeah, you know, just get gear. and Well, so first of all, that's a really shitty way to get gear because customs will bust your ass. <laughs> Second of all, uh, you, you don't go down to Mexico and just like, live there and use gear because you just end up getting shot in the drug war. <laughs> uh, but anyway, <laughs> um, so so in any case, you know, if you do value being more muscular, then it's a calculated trade-off. On that note, the more exotically muscular you are, the fatter you are, the heavier you are, the older you are while you continue to try to strive for those goals, and if I'm allowed to mention this on the podcast, the more special sports supplements you're using to push that reality forward, the more the trade-offs start to mount until you're not in a very good place with your health. So it's a sliding scale. It really is a spectrum. So if you want to be as healthy as possible, just weigh 70 kilos. Don't take any special sports supplements or very minimal amounts. And, you know, be a fucking regular cunt and just fucking walk around and nobody will ever notice you and you'll be the fuck out of everyone's way. But yeah. uh, if you want to be the fucking 55-year-old guy with white hair and a fucking strided face, right, and, you know, weighing 120 kilos, you can do that. You just won't be that guy well into your 60s because you might croak before that happens. But there's much more detail to, to say about if you choose that exotic path into aging – there's ways to do it better and there's ways to do it worse mm -hmm. well that's what we'll, we'll delve into for sure um mike uh, I do recall one of the things that uh broderick in his wisdom you know uh would often default back to you know that just the fact that uh, uh, you know at the end of the day usually with when we're talking about um you know longevity the bigger the bigger the individual pretty much what you alluded to there you know the shorter the lifespan you know so is it really just a does it come down to more of a strain on the before we go into detail of course you know on the on the, the joints connective tissue um you know cardiovascular system all these things just have to work that much harder when you're when you when you are that much bigger all of the above 100 yeah. percent kidneys liver every single organ has to work harder not just to support that physical body weight, but to process the food and arguably the training disruption it takes to stay and to get and stay that big, right? Like yeah, for, for those of you uh, folks listening to this who have, you know, trained really hard and eaten a lot to gain weight while training hard, you know, there's a, there's a concept in biology, and I'm starting to sound like Broderick, uh, yeah. called flux right how much throughput you're putting through a system not its maximum capacity it's like you know you have a, a like a canal or a channel 
it could be wide and it can be tall, but if you only put, you know, two gallons of water down that channel a day, who cares? But if you're pushing hundreds of thousands of gallons per second, it's going to wear down faster. Mm. So it's not just that you're big. It's the, you know, how many 6,000 calorie days can you have with two hours of training to where he just feels the burden of yeah. that sort of thing, right? Yeah. It's pretty fucking intense. Yeah. Um, and, and that does wear down systems faster and cost you longevity. Now, the, the big thing is that if you stay active and relatively healthy while doing that, it doesn't cost you uh, morbidity, which means that you're probably not gonna die because you slowly turn into a decrepit fat piece of shit and get 50 kinds of little bitch diseases and then die at age 89 having spent the last 30 years not leaving the fucking nursing home. That's unlikely. Yep. You're probably going for the gigantic stroke in the middle of the street public death <laughs> at this <laughs> point. But up until then, you're probably going to be having a really high quality of life. Yeah. So it's it's kind of like a different way to go out, but make no mistake about it, you will go out faster if you're bigger. Mm. To put this in perspective, the data on body size and longevity I mean, couldn't be any more clear. If you're weighing over 200 kilos, you're probably dying in your 40s, right? If you weigh over 300 kilos, you're probably not making it out of your 30s. If we backtrack a little bit to something more reasonable, like 150 kilos, you know, your 50s, 60s, right? And and if you're 100 kilos, maybe 60s, 70s. And if you're 75 kilos, then yeah. hey, shit, 80s, maybe 90s. You know what I mean? So mm. there's, there's that that definitely has to be a factor that you just have to be okay with. As I think a lot of times people, and I know you guys aren't asking this, but maybe some of the folks listening have heard these kinds of questions before. I'll get a lot of them where like, okay, I'm older, I'm getting older, I still want to fucking, you know, rock off, rock out with my cock out, or yeah. the female version, jam out with my clam out. Uh, <laughs> I still want to be fucking jacked. I got that from my brother-in-law. I think it's the best thing ever. Um, <laughs> it's also just the, just, so rock out with your cock out means you're like at a rock concert and you're flailing your cock around. Like, that's interesting. But imagine like pulling down your pants as a girl and just waving your fucking pussy around. It's like, oh, like, it's just throw people off. People just won't have any idea what to do. Mate, I'm sure the girls uh, on the cans do it here in uh, Australia for sure. <laughs> exactly. You just have to get down with the the uh, music festival life exactly. hard enough, and you'll exactly. be shaking all kinds of things. So, so in any case, uh, I think people oftentimes are like, okay, I'm choosing to stay big and jacked well into my older years. How can I still live as long <laughs> yeah. as somebody mm. who doesn't? But this is, there's just no answer for that, right? It, okay. You just won't. Um, there's a difference between taking care of a race car to make sure it lasts as long as it can yeah. versus taking care of you know a regular sedan. And uh, you know, having it last as long as it can. If you take the best care of a race car, it just wears down faster. Now that means you can get a lot of life out of it, maybe even as much as the average cared for sedan. But if you're you really take good care of a sedan, four cylinders, etc., you can ride that thing for twenty fucking years. You're not going to ride a fucking race car for twenty years if you drive it every day, mm. plain and simple. Yeah. Okay. Good, good analogy, Mike. When you're talking about that flux, that concept of flux, like it makes sense with the amount of food that you got to eat and everything like that. But from the training perspective, uh, what are the things that are, that put the stress? Is it the you know the processing the metabolic waste from muscle damage and all that kind of stuff, or what, joints, what are the aspects? Tissue? So, like, it depends on how you're going to go. So, um, if you train intelligent, hard training doesn't wear down your joints; it strengthens them. Now, there's a certain amount of wear and tear you can't recover from, so if you're going to want to be super jacked in your 50s and 60s, you might need help getting around when you're 80. But 
kind of everyone needs that help anyway, so it's more or less a who gives a shit. Mm-hmm. And you might have to have a couple of surgeries that somebody less active or somebody who doesn't push it hard enough has. But generally speaking, uh, that's not where we see the problem areas. Uh, where you see problem areas is that training that hard um, takes such a toll on all physical systems, mostly like your organs, from the recovery demand, from the disruption, from the elevated you know, muscle proteins in the blood, all of that stuff that the organs tend to wear down just a bit faster. Um, Here's something to put into perspective. Mm. It's been shown pretty reliably that, this is really big, big swath, mammalian hearts have only a certain number of heartbeats in them, on average, until they just break. So like a mouse lives approximately in the same order of heartbeats that we do. It just, a heartbeat beats like 300 fucking times a second, right? Like if you ever hold a mouse, it's like Oh my god, is this thing nervous? The answer is yes, it's also nervous because it's being held by a giant. But uh, it just normally has a really high heart rate. You know, elephants and, and shit like that have heart rates like sort of comparable to humans. Um, turtles, other animals, uh, not, not mammalian, but actually it still holds for them. Their hearts beat really, really slowly and they live a really long time. Uh, so anytime you engage in really, if you engage in, in, in hard training, you, that actually improves your fitness and lowers your heart rate on average through all of the other you know 22 hours of the day when you're not training yeah. that means you actually get a lower heart rate and you can live longer if you're training super hard and you're big and you're eating all the time yeah. think think about how what your heart rate is like after a really big meal when you're massing after training you're like what the fuck am i still training how come my heart rate's so high because it's yeah, doing dude. shit mm. moving around fluids etc cetera, etc cetera. and what that does is it just cost you more beats right and that heart rate analogy or example can be applied to pretty much every other organ that we can measure um just general wear and tear if you run the machine the machine tends to break a little bit more than uh than otherwise now if you whenever you guys want to transition to the what can you do to make the party last as long as possible without fucking shutting down the party there's a lot to say on that because while everything i said is true there are things you can do to prevent needless damage, which is a very big difference between the stuff you can't prevent. We'll get into that, and in in, in we'll go down Great. that rabbit warren in a second. There, um, Mike, one of the many uh, mentor sessions I did with you uh, back in the day. You know, we discussed well, we discussed me and and the fact that oh, yeah, I still want to be jacked, and 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 you said, "How old are you?" And I said, "Well, you know, like twenties." And you said, "Well, if you're that age, you know, maybe you're." Well, that's not actually with the age we spoke about, Tom, obviously, and our yes. listeners know that. But but it was like, well, you know, when I'm that age, then, yeah, I'm hanging up my, my uh, you know, lifting straps and, and, and I'm not pushing the envelope and, and trying to still add, you know, copious amounts of muscle every day for my entire life. And, and you suggested, and this is probably what Broderick was alluding to and had a chuckle, And um, but you, you actually said, you know, you, would, you, you might even take up CrossFit or something like that where... You're still training, but you work in potentially more cardiovascular system, and and the emphasis is is not on, you know, pushing the, you know, the physical limits of, of uh, high, maximal hypertrophy. I guess is, is is that where your line of thought is going as well? Not so much don't train, but think about the modality in which you're training and, and your training goals as you age. Yeah, I mean, it, you know, at that point. So what I want for myself, if everything goes to plan or relatively well. What I want for myself is to really take a good, I don't know if this expression applies in Australia, but in the U.S. we call it a college try, like a real good effort at bodybuilding. 
and we know that people peak in bodybuilding roughly at the latest in their sort of mid 40s um, and that age is actually getting later and later as people get smarter and smarter and farm improves and stuff but you know mid 40s is kind of my late cutoff but so I'm 34 currently I got at least another good like six years of you know hitting the shit really hard and mm. making sure that within reason I can get to just being able to look back and say god damn I was jacked and yeah I did a real good job at this. Um, after I'm done with that phase of my life, I, I'm uh, so the next heaviest member of my immediate family is my dad, and he weighs about 65 kilos. I, I currently weigh like 115. So, yeah. You got him covered. So, yeah, I'm not supposed exactly. So I'm not supposed to be big. I, I built all of this on purpose, mm. and I'm probably not going to have too much of a hard time dropping back close to that that size. Um, the reason I'm going to drop to that size is because after I've hung up my, you know, no part of me likes the fact that I'm shortening my lifespan with bodybuilding. I kind of figured I'd picked a different hobby, but it's in my blood. I'm super passionate about it, so I'm going to do it right. And as soon as I'm done, I'm going to hang that shit up and get tiny. And practice more or less the approach to life that maximizes longevity. Because your boy just trying to live a long time, specifically long enough until we can upload our consciousness into a machine, and then I don't ever have to die. So <laughs> I will show up to the shores of Australia as a defense <laughs> robot, and then we'll have a proper war. But in any case, um, you know, I'm trying to sort of maximize longevity after I've sort of done it. Um, I uh, and and so here's here's the what I'm really trying to avoid, and then there's a the middle ground. I'm, I'm really trying to avoid being that guy in the gym who's like, you, you guys know, like, I don't know if, again, this um, it's an American expression. I'm sure it applies in Australian culture. When a guy's taking so much gear, he looks cooked. You're like, what the fuck? Like, <laughs> mm. you got, like, trend red. Yeah. And, 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 and this guy's, like, Literally cooked. Old. Yeah. Looks like he's yes. in an oven. Crispy. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. And you're like, and he's still talking about competing and hitting his peak. And yeah. still running like gear you would consider irresponsible for a twenty-five-year-old, yeah. and you're just like, "What are you doing?" Like, and he's like, "Oh yeah, my grandkid was born today," and, and then he like fucking pushes in a full rig of Tran, and you're like, "All right," <laughs> <laughs> and it's it just totally ignorant of every, and it, you know, everything that's gonna happen. And he has these, you know, everybody goes to see a doctor. The doctor's like, "Dude, you're like a day and a half away from dying." And he's like, what? I didn't know that. You know, I definitely don't want to be that guy. I don't think anybody wants to be that guy. You know, like the old man that never, no one ever told him he was old. Yeah. There's the, the, the sort of middle way is where you maintain as much size as you're comfortable with, with responsible, healthy use of sports supplements and other supplements and nutrition, et cetera, to have a realistic, super jacked for your age physique. Um, that's definitely an option. For me, I took the, I'm, I'm probably going to take the option of go the real small side and get away from the iron game mostly uh, the size game for sure i'm still gonna lift i'm gonna continue to do jujitsu until i die or i'm physically incapable of moving um but that's gonna be my involvement that doesn't have to be the way you go that's just the way i'm going mike you mentioned the jujitsu there and for our listeners that don't know i mean you know that's probably equally as big a passion for you will you gravitate more to that side of things or you know where I'm going. Like, still the same amount of effort 100%. you're putting in, but you just put it into a different modality. Different channel, yeah. I'm going to do as much jujitsu as humanly possible. Cool. Uh, that 
basically is we'll see what my maximum recoverable volume is. Yeah. It's going to have to be lower because I'm older. Uh, in addition to that, it's going to have to be a factor of um, is my family life going to be able to afford it? You know, I plan on having children by then, and yeah. you know, people insist that you're around your children or something ridiculous. <laughs> I'm just probably going to bring them to jujitsu. Mm. Um, I just love the game, yeah. love it. I I don't think there's ever a time in my life where I wasn't somehow connected to the sport of grappling. I remember grappling with my dad when I was like three. <laughs> so yeah. like, it's just something I don't think I'm capable of giving it up. Mm. So. I'm just going to try to do as much jiu-jitsu as humanly possible. It, it, hopefully, that's something like six to eight hard sessions a week yeah, when I reduce my lifting to two or three sessions from the current six. It, because I'm smaller, I will be smaller, I'll probably have a higher maximum recoverable volume, relatively speaking, right? Because yeah. smaller people just recover faster. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to try to do as much jiu-jitsu as I can squeeze out of my dying fucking body. It's going to be awesome. Very cool, very mm. cool. All right, Mike. Well, if we think about that spectrum of totally jacked for your age slightly older man you know to the guy who's cooking in the oven and we want to be floating somewhere around about that you know yeah, nicely jacked for your age throw some numbers around. um you've chucked out the the max recoverable volume in in, in the context of your jiu-jitsu if we think about what you're famous for the the minimum effective to the maximum recoverable in terms of hypertrophy how do those goalposts start to shift as the individual gets older yeah it's a good question is addressed on a technical level in um, the book I co-wrote with James Hoffman, How Much Do I Train, or How Much Should I Train? And um, basically at some point, um, we sort of uh, transition in. Now, so here's the big caveat for those listening. If you have been highly active and involved in strength sport and being jacked for your adult life from age 20 slash 30 all the way into your 40s and 50s, then what I'm about to say applies. If you just picked up serious training in your 40s or 50s, you're still a beginner and you're still going to get a tons of tons of newbie gains yeah. and this stuff doesn't really apply to you. Mm -hmm. So if you've been hammering, hammering it away when you're older, at some point, your minimum effective volume is going to exceed your maximum recoverable volume. Put very simply, the amount of work it's going to take to theoretically make you better is going to be more than you can recover from practically. Yep. Yep. So at that point, you physically stop making gains. And as, as difficult as it sounds for all of us gains impassioned people to un accept that, but that has to be a reality. Otherwise, there'd be 80-year-old men walking around looking like Ronnie Coleman 2.0. You know, like mm. at some point, you just start not being able to get better. At some point later, years after, your maintenance volume will exceed your minimum, your your maximum recoverable, which basically means right. that the amount it would theoretically take to maintain your physique is now over how much you could ever recover from. Yep. That is when you start losing your muscularity, slowly but surely. That point happens to most people probably in their 50s to 60s rather than in their 40s. So, so here's the first piece of good news. If you really want to push the envelope on the health a little bit, you can probably walk around your maximum jacked through your entire 40s or really close to it. Uh, are you going to make a lot of gains in your 40s? You might make some. You might lose some. On the net balance, you probably won't make a ton. No. It, it, granted, if you've been taking this very seriously well, for years before. Um, in your 50s, you're going to start losing. And then in your 60s, you start losing real fast. Um, but, you know, in 60s, man, like, you know, that you're just officially an old man at that point. And... Yeah. If you still want to be as jacked as humanly possible in your 60s, I don't know, maybe you should see, like, a fucking, like, go to Thailand, and instead of going to the hooker, 
and steroid area, go to like the yogi area and talk to a spiritual healer or some shit like that. Cause you yeah. need some soul work. You feel me? Yeah, 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 yeah. definitely. And, and is that um, okay? We're talking. I'm assuming for you know the uh, natural, uh, unenhanced listeners, mm-hmm. it, or, or is that even if you are, you know, uh, anti-aging clinic, growth hormones in the mix, a little bit of testosterone for therapy, you, you fix those things. Just uh, there are other systems that are at play that are even if you tick those boxes, you just can't. Well, to quote quote Broderick, you can't beat biology. Like it all sort of catches up with you in the day, independent sure. of. Because an example that comes to mind, and you'll probably agree with me, you know, I think we're all pretty disappointed when uh, when he first hit the Olympia stage and he's come back, the low, lower half of Kevin Lavroni. Now, that wasn't through mm-hmm. a lack of, I'm assuming, punching all sorts of uh, supplements to try and grow those uh, wheels. And then, okay, a year, you know, disappointed second time around at the Arnold Classic this year. Still an amazing physique and absolutely phenomenal what he did. But for me, someone that is... You know, would have had tons of uh, my nucleation and and the absolute uh, compared to and our listeners that don't know Google Kevin Lavroni, you know ninety, you know back in the the, the early nineties, and you see how crazy this physique was, even with his uh, ability and potential, and I'm assuming uh, you know unlimited resources for uh, supplementation, he still couldn't you know full year of training grow a decent set of wheels compared to what it was in his what 20s into into 30s was was probably when he um you know uh, started uh, not competing as much but is, is is you know is there is there other bigger things at, at play than just you know chucking a, a little supplement here and there like is it just it's just it just is what it is yeah so um uh, let's set up a couple of scenarios if we take the guy that's been running you know is that's been enhanced for his 30s or earlier and he's going to reach his peak in his 40s, maintain it through his 40s if he stays as enhanced and because he's already enhanced there's nowhere to go except for insane enhancement which is going to kill you really fast so yeah. he's going to start losing through his 50s and 60s even if he stays enhanced. Now that's at a higher overall baseline of jackness by a long shot than the natural guy um, but it is nonetheless a very similarly shaped curve a natural guy will also peak in his 40s and uh, also maintain most of that through his 50s and then start to decline considerably in the 60s. So the curve is I- almost identically shaped. It's just lower, right? Mm-hmm. So enhanced elevates. It doesn't change the curve. The way you change the curve, an example of the most common is if you stay natural until you turn around 40 yeah. and then you start hitting TRT doses through your 40s, you will improve through your 40s. Then you start hitting... Uh, Kuwait doses uh, in, in, in your uh, in your 50s, you will improve through your 50s. You can achieve a lifetime best physique at age 55 or 60 yeah. doing that. But the absolute level of development you'll have at 55 or 60 won't be the same as somebody who maxes out their potential at age 43 or something like Dexter Jackson yeah. or somebody like that. Yes, mm-hmm. yes, yes. Okay, that's uh, an interesting way to look at things. So the take-home message there, everyone, was stay natty for as long as possible, then TRT for you know, a good five years, off to Kuwait, yeah. you know, go to the oxygen gym, jam it up, and you can peak in your uh, late 50s. That's it. That's it. If your only goal was to just take as much of your life as possible to improve, and you weren't worried about absolute level of improvement, that is definitely the way to do it. Okay. 
right. Well, Very I've cool. got you know a few more years up my sleeve just yeah, to have. just to sit tight, and then uh, then I'll start the TRT. Right. Okay. Let's lean it out. Right. If if we dive into the training a little bit more. Dr. Mike, and think about some of the factors that go into uh, creation of a program. What about something like frequency for a slightly older individual and the impact that might have on joints and recovery and that kind of stuff? And I'll, and I'll jump in there as well, uh, Tommy, if you don't mind. And, and obviously with the frequency is, you know, we're talking about total volume. Do we have to, have you got some numbers that you like to, uh, I know it's individual specific and depends what they've done beforehand, but do you see a drop off in total volume as well in in line with frequency yeah totally so i don't have a ton of numbers on this for my own clients i have some i tend to notice that maximum recoverable volume is relatively stable in a well-trained individual from their 20s into their 30s in the 40s it's going to start to decline um maybe by five sets or so per body part per week so just as an example if your mrv is 20 sets for chest in your 20s it could be 18 to 20 in your 30s it could be maybe something like 15 maybe 12 to 15 in your uh in your uh 40s it could be something like 10 to 15 10 to 13 in your 50s and then it could be below 10 in your 60s right so just to give the sort of just bare topography there frequency there's a difference between overload frequency and training frequencies overload frequency is how often do you have training that is very difficult that is pushing you past uh, the average level of where you've been before and then there's training that can be done to promote recovery or to just enhance the maintenance of traits while recovery occurs or just maybe to get a little bit of muscle growth, a little bit of technique, a little bit of strength yep. without really pushing the systems too much. So your overall training frequency doesn't have to go down as you age past your 40s, but your overload frequency probably does. So if you're used to doing heavy, two heavy back sessions per week, you might have to transition to kind of one really heavy one and one lighter one, right? Uh, that, okay. that sort of stuff. And um, another tip in this vein with exercise selection, etc., um, you're going to have to find ways to put in volume without stressing joints as much and without risking injury as much. So maybe where you used to do a lot of barbell pressing when you were uh, younger into your middle ages, when you're older, maybe dumbbell pressing, maybe more machines, maybe more drop sets and other intensity techniques that allow you to continue to grow and support muscle um, without risking the kind of macro scale injury that would debilitate you significantly more when you're older than, than if you're younger. Um, just a really interesting side note here, Broderick and I have talked about this at length and are actually sort of planning my entire career on this. Um, uh, you got to get your biggest, heaviest lifting out of the way by your mid to late 30s. Into your 40s, if you want to be a successful bodybuilder, you got to modify some stuff. Almost the quintessential example of this intelligent uh, structure is John Meadows. You guys are familiar with John Meadows' yep, training? Yep, he does yep. a lot of, I don't want to say quirky stuff, but a lot of giant sets, a lot of supersets, drop sets, really focusing on individual muscles. But if you look at the way he was training and what he says he was training, which is the same thing, years ago in his 20s and his 30s, he was doing compound heavy basics for sets of six to eight, putting on fucking slabs and getting that heavy training out of the way so that at least this kind of training he's doing now is novel and he put on all of his sort of raw mass back in the day so that's another factor you can take it's like i'll put you this way here's the wrong way to do it trying to train with the same number of sets per week that you used to 
trying to overload as many weeks uh, or days per week as you used to, and still trying to hit deadlifts, deficit pulls, front squats, overhead presses, incline bench, barbell, heavy rows, the same way you used to do them back in the day. As you're older, it's just irresponsible and short-sighted to continue to train like that. Funny enough, it's the opposite of my critique for young lifters. Like if I meet a 22-year-old that's not doing the hardcore heavy basics, I like, you know, try to talk him into being a fucking man and opening his goddamn, you know, fucking mind up to some hardcore training that'll fuck him up but make him better. Yeah. You know, if you're doing like pussy ass machines and shit when you're 22, you're just never going to mount to shit. Mm. But if you're still rocking hardcore lifts irresponsibly when you're older, yeah, can you have success with that? Sure. But it's yeah. not as likely as if you take better care of yourself when you're older. Very good. So um, get those guys, uh, those young guys, to stop jamming with the clam and uh, rock with the cock uh, a little more, and, and get the big lifts out. <laughs> yeah. Tell me, one hundred percent. Tell me, Mike. Do you? So with that, uh, I'm curious as to your thoughts on that titration of volume. You know, you gave some, and they're just arbitrary numbers. Then we're not saying they're absolutes when mm. we're talking about that chest example, going from eighteen to 20, 12 to fifteen. Do you think that that um, is from a, a maintaining uh, amount of muscle mass perspective? You think those set numbers are um, when you just want to say we get to a point, okay, I'm in my 40s, I just want to maintain muscle mass, I can't do as much volume, so I'm going to titrate it down. Do you think that would net a maintenance rather than you know perhaps up to the age of 40 you were trying to eke out further progression? You get to a point, Okay, now I'm 40. Through my 40s, I just want to maintain. I know I don't, I can't handle as much volume. Or do you think the amount of muscle mass that you developed uh, in your 30s to the age of 40 required X amount of volume and independent of um, keeping that same volume, there will be a drop off in muscle mass with the, the reduction in, in volume that you can actually apply into that body part. Thoughts on that? Yeah. So like probably for the first maybe five to 10 or maybe even more years, you're going to be able to reduce your training volume significantly from what you use to improve yourself and just maintain pretty much all of your gains on that smaller amount of volume. Yep. Uh, the reason this happens is there's kind of a dead zone in advanced athletes, people have been training for long enough, between the maintenance volume and the minimum effective volume. So like, for example, maintenance volume the amount of sets per week it takes to maintain general muscularity maybe something like eight sets per week right so you do four sets of bench press and then four sets of incline monday and thursday just you know four sets one four sets the other you might you might be able to maintain all the muscle mass in your chest um with that but if you're advanced it might take 16 sets minimum to make progress yeah. so between eight and 16 sets if you do 10 sets or uh, 12 sets or 14 sets, you're doing more work without any result, right? Mm. Um, it, it's almost like, you know, uh, you know, there, there's, there's, a, there's a bunch of different analogies to use. Um, here, I'll, I'll, I'll use a pretty good one. If, if you are um, uh, a design engineer and you do uh, computer-assisted drawings for a living, you're going to be pretty good at it. And... Um, how do you get better at it? Well, you got to do more advanced drawings, read highly technical texts about uh, CAD design, spend hours perfecting your task. After a while, any attempt to get better is just going to require a shitload of work. On the other hand, how do you not get much worse? Just a minimum doodling in your notebook 
can just be that, but just reading car design magazines and letting your mind think about design a little bit can be just that. So if you're on holiday in Thailand for two weeks and you're a CAD design uh, artist in, in Australia, how do you not lose your abilities? Well, you just kind of keep your mind every day for 15 minutes focused on CAD stuff. You just scroll through your phone, mm. just some design notes, and you're good to go. You're not going to lose anything. But if someone in Thailand says, hey, what's it going to take to make you better at CAD drawing while you're in Thailand? You're like, I need my fucking studio. I need my three monitor computer. I need all of my design. I need all of my notes. You're like, well, we can't get you that here. How about just a laptop and a really simple engineering program? You're like, that's just going to do dick for me because it's way below the level. It's way more than I need to maintain my abilities, but it's way below the level that I need to improve them. Similar mm -hmm. analogy can be made for chess. You know, if you're a, a, an international caliber chess champion, right? How, <laughs> how easy is it for you to maintain your skills? You can just play with like little kids on the beach in Thailand and maintain your skills just fine. But what's it gonna take to make you better? Well, there's probably nobody in Thailand who can make you better. You know what I mean? Like you have to go to like India next or China to meet people good enough or a computer good enough to challenge you to make you better. Does that make sense? So mm -hmm. after you're really good, there's a big window that opens up there between what it takes to maintain what it takes to improve. So in your 40s, you may very well just drop down to that maintenance level and you will be as jacked as you were at age 40, roughly at age 50. However, in your 50s somewhere, maintenance volume starts to go up through that time, right? So you'll have to do a little bit more every couple of years through your 40s to even maintain. Yeah. Eventually, that's going to bump up into your maximum recoverable volume, and you won't be able to train that hard. So you'll have to start losing. So, so it's the, you're actually right on both examples you gave. It's just one occurs first. Mm. Can you go down and maintain through most of your 40s with a smaller amount of volume? Yes, but that volume is going to slowly grow until it's already a lot of volume by itself, and eventually it'll be more than you can recover from. That's that's fascinating. So just jump in there, Tommy, just to wrap up this point I, I, I made with Mike, but. But yeah, like uh, I had a hernia uh, surgery last November, um, and you know, obviously from from well, not obviously, but but for years of lifting, and um, and I was doing uh, sort of six six sessions a week, you know, uh, high frequency, a, a lot of a lot of volume, and and now I've got come back into training. Obviously, I lost some lost some muscle mass, and I had ended up being about five months off from training. So I had some great newbie gains when I when I got back to it, and, and sort of morphed into uh, getting you know some of my mass back, which was great. But now you know it's sort of like I'm doing four sessions a week, and it's maintaining. You know, Tom would say uh, similar to f physique, to look, like I don't look notably different to what I did doing six sessions a week, and uh, it might have been a slightly more you know. Certain parts of the body might have been uh, popping a little bit more, but but it's like uh, I, I know the point you're making. It's like, well, do I want and you know 102 kilos on the scales, 102, 103, you know, and I'm sort of adding linear progression each week doing in the four sessions a week, so ticking the boxes for hypertrophy. But I know for me to you know get an extra few kilos on and be 105 on the scales, then I probably do have to go back up to that six sessions and then start cramming a ton of volume in, and and it's just like. Like I can maintain, like you said, and at, at four sessions, which is a revelation for me. And it's like, oh, this is pretty cool. But on the flip side, having here what what, uh, what you just said, then that it makes perfect sense for me to step it up to that next level. I mean, it would have to be a physique competition or something like that to actually warrant yeah. me to to go back to it. But it's and then when does it end, Mike? It's like okay, I can do the six six days a week and yeah. and get that extra. Then I got to keep doing six days a week to to keep that extra there. Exactly. You know what I mean? It's it's sort of like that big gap between those four sessions to six sessions you know will eke out what 
another kilo on the scales or a kilo yeah. and a half you know and you, you walk around maybe a little more looking a little more jacked it's like is it really worth a all that time in your week to actually to get that uh, little re- return on investment and I've seen that uh, time and time again and it's just hearing you put it in that simplistic term it, it makes perfect sense yeah you just got to know what you want you know and then get what you want without any illusions as to what it's going to take um, and, and, and I think that to all of us probably sounds obvious but fuck, people fuck that up a lot. Mm. You know, um, you'll you'll see people say shit like every now and again. Someone's like, "I think I want to learn another language." I'm like, "You dumb cocksucker! Do you know how much <laughs> effort that takes? Yeah. Like, for you to be remotely understandable in another language, and for it to be worth the effort, versus like picking up a couple of bullshit things to say to a Chinese person, yeah. um, it takes a lot. <laughs> yeah. And is if you have a goal in mind, great." But if you're just like, oh, I kind of think, I don't know. And it's weird. You can see people training in the gym. We all know blokes. Right? Did I use that term correctly? <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, uh, we all know blokes like uh, that just train in the gym. They're pretty sauced up. They're special sports supplements. They're kind of older. They kind of maybe used to compete, maybe not. If you ask them what they're training for, their heads might explode. So you just don't even bother, you know, because you know they don't know. Yeah. They just that's just kind of what they do after their shift at work, and yeah. they started yeah. using drugs for no good reason at all, other than hey, this will make you more jacked. And they're like, oh, that that I like that. That's good. That's why yeah. I'm here anyway, maybe. And you know that that's just it. But if you have like, which is why you know for me, I have like certain particular goals. Yeah. Uh, that I want to hit for myself. Yeah. Like, I want to come to at least one show shredded to the fucking bone yeah, where the man. judges are like, you need to get medical attention because your glutes are going to fall off your body. <laughs> I want to do that. Yeah, bro, I know yeah. that it's possible for most people you at least both. once. You and me both. Yeah, exactly. So if I can at least do that and maybe hit some competition victories, I'm going to at some point pick on the next goal, which is going to be like, all right, when I hit this goal, even if I don't after X number of shows, I'm going to shut it down. After yeah. that, you don't have to worry about like, well, is it still worth it? So is it still worth it as a question you got to give some thought to, you know, and we all spend so much time training, we got to give some thought to where it's all going, you know what I mean? Yeah. Absolutely, and, and also where the context of your training in the direction of your life and, and where you want to take things. I actually think minimum maintenance volume, playing around with that, that's quite a, a freeing prospect, Rorden. Like you, you're able to maintain with four sessions a week mm. and that opens up a lot more time to do other things and you actually probably feel a lot better and not so fatigued well, all the time well dude to um to, to go into a little more detail for our listeners and for mike and you'd probably nod mike like for you know quads it's it's 16 sets over the, the course of the week for you know delts it's it's you know 10 sets over the course of the week you know for medial delt five and five like i mean it's not it's not actually that much stimulation of the the muscle to maintain a certain level of muscle mass you know Mm. and maybe that is because like you know mike suggested i I have spent those you know years you know pulling heavy and 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 squatting back in the day and 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 benching heavy and all that type of stuff maybe now you know i can sort of sit back a little and and maintain what i have Mm. with 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 what looks like a a, a much smaller amount of effort and mike i imagine that um minimum maintenance volume is going to differ from person to person absolutely How, how would you go about is it just experimentation to find out what that that number is for you totally yeah you should have a pretty good idea of what that is during your normal training because there should be a month here or there when you're progressing as a younger individual 
in which you intentionally do lower volumes just to give your body a break, you know, and then you should kind of know, okay, I sort of have an idea that it's definitely not 10 sets, it is more like six, or is it's definitely not six sets, it's more like 10. And then there yeah. can even be a per body part of thing, you know, yeah. um, so you can, the, 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 the best of practice, of course, experimentation. So lower your volume uh, down to your, what you think a minimum effective volume would be, and then start lowering it by two or three sets every month. And as soon as you start to get weaker or notably smaller, yeah. go back up to the number before that, run that for a month or two. If you're relatively stable, there you go. You mm -hmm. found your uh, awesome. maintenance volume and you can do that for each body part. So treat the body part separately. Your biceps might need 10 sets a week. Your quads might need four, who knows? Mm. Very cool. If we talk about a few of the mechanisms that actually go into hypertrophy, Dr. Mike, like you've mentioned drop sets and a few of these other things like, as you age, what role does, you know, creating a lot of muscle damage within the workout have? Or, you know, are we just trying to get a little bit of stimulation, more of the stimulate, not annihilate process? What are your thoughts there? Yeah, so I think that the primary benefit of uh, more extreme sorts of damage is to integrate satellite cells. As soon as you're done integrating satellite cells, which you probably are if you're much older and you're looking just to maintain, um, there's no real reason to go that crazy anymore. But we also know that volume is very related to growth, more so than intensity. And because you're probably too fucked up, injured, banged up history of yeah. injuries and all sorts of stuff, and you're looking forward to not being injured, <laughs> um, you probably don't want to push the intensity side. Because there's kind of two sort of ends of a very short spectrum on which you can grow muscle. One is doing a lot of volume with lighter weights in various ways like drop sets, metabolite stuff. And the other way is to do lower volume slightly but with much heavier weights. Um, overall, both produce roughly the same average amount of growth. The yeah. best way to go is to do some combination of both of them either through the week or even the workout or you know, like Dr. Yeah. Hoffman and I advocate through multiple mesocycles of, of one gets attention versus the other. Yeah. But um, you kind of have to go less on the side of the heavier stuff as you get older yeah. um, and you can make up for some of that by going a little bit more on the lighter stuff yeah. so more of your workouts start to look like what we would call pump workouts yeah. right mm -hmm. not that they're easy but they're lighter weights higher reps the funny thing is is that's going to be more painful in many ways because you yeah. guys know having trained with high volume high reps god damn you're like can yeah. it just go heavy so yeah, the, yeah. The, the pain the pain is just the last rep uh, versus the last 10. Uh, and it's kind of one of those things where an intelligent transition into, into older living requires some trade-offs. Mm. And I think, Mike, uh, like you said, the you can get away with less into that, um, you know, hitting failure with the, with the heavy stuff because we're going to send a, a potent signal for hypertrophy. Whereas, yeah, if you do adopt the uh, the more metabolite buildup and the, the more volume, you know, lower percentage of 1RM, yeah, you do... To have uh, comparable amounts of uh, hypertrophy signaling, yeah, you got to take it close to, if not, you know, into the point of failure from time to time. So yeah, it's it's a it's a more um, from from where I'm sitting, a far more unpleasant uh, prospect of that style of training. Mm. What, do you think it would also, Mike, um, if you think laterally, have a bit more of a, a benefit on the cardiovascular system as well? As Absolutely. Age? Yeah. Which, Absolutely. That, that, that's one of the one of the. <laughs> Not sad, but sort of unfortunate things that I've seen. I'm sure you guys have seen it. Is the guy that'll be like, do you know, a couple of heavy, super heavy sets, sets of three to five in the compound heavy movements. Yeah. In there, they're older. 
and they're like, exercise, man. You got to do it. It's keeping you healthy. And you just want to be like, <laughs> I, I don't think that's keeping you healthy anymore. Mm. <laughs> and they're like, you know, 30% over fat. And yeah. it's better to be doing sets of 15 and doing drop sets and adding some cardio into that, you know, at other yeah. times of the day or even with that workout. Be leaner, plenty jacked, plenty strong, but get tons of health benefit. Um, one thing that yeah. while, so, so while we're on the subject of extending longevity and extending training career, there's just no good reason to carry around a lot of extra fat into your older years of lifting. Yeah. Like when you're younger, and I've certainly done this, you could be a little fatter because you're just in the process of gaining muscle, man, and it's going to take whatever it takes. Um, and you'll just get leaner later. When you're older, be lean. Otherwise, you just won't last. Being fat will kill your ass faster than any fucking drugs they've ever made. Yeah. Okay, so the caveat that comes with all this, uh, you got to maintain that low uh, body fat percentage into your old age if you really want to focus on still being jacked. Yeah, the caveat that comes with it, you got to keep, keep relatively lean as well. Mm. I, I completely agree there. I guess that kind of means then managing the nutritional side of things is only so far you can start driving a surplus and, and all that kind of stuff so maybe we can dovetail into a, a bit of the nutrition definitely so mike like with um i know you i think uh if i recall two to 2.2 grams of protein per kilo obviously with the aging demographic do you want to go through some uh nutritional fundamentals for for the aging demographic whether because you know we, we might need a, a little more protein as we age so i think that is one of the demographics that may actually need a, a higher intake of protein um but clarification on that and and and, and fats do you like a, a little higher fat intake as you age less carbohydrates or and then um like tommy was alluding to you know if you are do you still you know push push calories into a surplus or if you are still trying to gain muscle in those uh, uh, later years, um, do you not have to be as, or you don't drive up calories as much as what you may have uh, in your 20s and 30s? Yeah. So you kind of get into a little bit of a conundrum there where you need a bigger surplus in order to create more anabolic signaling to make permanent changes to your muscle mass. Yep. But your health cannot afford you to maintain such a surplus because it's fucking killing you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So at some point, you're going to have to make that trade off one way or another. So yeah. I'll just leave it at that. The, ideally, you have even bigger surpluses as you age because that's the only thing that's going to grow you. Yeah. But that's also going to kill you. So at some point, you just got to right. uh, – coming back to the thing I keep saying, you got to know when you're still improving or when you want your sort of eyes on the prize for that or when you're in maintenance mode and in yes. healthy aging mode because it's going to be really different recommendations. But for both of those, um, there aren't – so many specific recommendations for healthy eating into your older years one of them is go see your doctor more often than you're used to check for vitamin and mineral deficiencies and keep tabs with your actual medical health yeah. but the biggest one is uh, so more protein yes but that's still covered by the, the two grams per kilo sort of situation Okay, uh, it's, it's well within that what I'll say is this you can't afford to fuck around with any part of your nutrition, be it for health or performance, at when you're older compared to when you were younger. For example, when you were younger, 19 years old, you didn't eat anything all day, you went to the gym, you still hit PRs. Yeah. That shit is not going to happen when you're older. You need to make sure you eat pre-workout meal, yeah. Yeah. balance amount of proteins. Here's another one. Let's say you're trying to maintain a high level of muscularity into old age. You can forget about living... Uh, you know, a low protein, 
uh, probably even a vegan lifestyle, you're going to have to eat meat very likely, or at least get a lot of protein from any sources that you can consistently at every meal. You guys ever like hang out with people that say they're trying to get jacked? And you watch them eat a meal of like an apple and some like potato. Do you guys call them chips or crisps over there? Chips, 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 chips. Sweet. And they they call them. We're talking about potato chips, right? Not not French fries. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Potato chips. Okay. Yep. Okay, cool. They call them crisps in England, which is fucking weird. Fucking <laughs> cocksucker. Um, so, but in any case, you know, they have potato chips and a, fu- a fucking apple, and you're like, that's your meal. And they're like, yep. And you're like, okay, but you're clearly not. You know, you guys are already. No, and most listeners of your podcast probably know like a meal isn't a meal unless you have a complete protein source with it. Otherwise, it's just fucker like just fuckery. Yeah. So, yeah. basically, you can't do as much of that shit when you're older and get away with it. Does that make sense? Like, yeah. you, for every part of your nutrition, you just need to be on the ball more, even in health. So, like, nutrition and health just means you know eating pretty well. You know, not fucking up completely when you're um, a younger person. Eat, some fruits and vegetables here or there, but whatever. You can eat macas, you know, most meals of the day. Mm-hmm. When you're older, you gotta, it's completely the reverse, where most of your meals have to look like they're from a healthy eating catalog if you're really serious about maintaining that lifestyle and giving yourself the best chances. Every now and again, you can make an unhealthy meal. But it's just one of those things where, you know, you, 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 older individuals are like, yeah, and they talk about eating fast food all the time. You're like, okay. You can't be serious about making gains. You can't be serious about staying lean. You can't be serious about maintaining your best health. So the focus just has to be greater. You know, people will say to young people, man, I really, you know, your consistency and your dedication impresses me when they're jacked. And that's true in part, but a lot of that's just due to passion, you know? Um, If you see someone who's 55 and they're lean as fuck and they're eating meals super well and taking the time to fatigue manage and train intelligently you could really complicate them on their dedication because that really takes dedication you don't randomly become older and super fucking ripped and jacked just by fucking having good genetics you know rarely Mm -hmm. then you got to be doing something about it whereas you can have good genetics just kind of train and eat someone and and be okay when you're younger and uh just to chime in there so a little bit more focus on quality nutrition there less of the the deviations from uh from a great uh, a solid uh, nutrition foundation there, making sure the protein intake is that 2, two to 2.2 as well within the limits there. Um, what about uh, before we uh, go into perhaps some supplementation that might be advantageous in the later years, but what about uh, more of an emphasis on, on, on uh, lifestyle, like uh, stress uh, management, like, like you mentioned in that example you just gave of the person that was ripping their older, but sleep as well, like does that become more and more uh, crucial or, or sleep as you age is not as uh, significant as when you were younger? So as we age, we all tend to sleep a little bit less, which is no doubt part of the hormonal and other body function axes that make adaptation decline. Um, if you supplement with growth hormone, you start sleeping more again, which is no surprise as to why you're growing more. Um, so you do sleep less, but it absolutely. So stress management works the same way for older individuals as for younger. The younger individuals can just hack it better just by sheer yeah. brute force of chance. Uh, even, so if you don't get sleep and you want to hit a PR and you're younger, you might pull it off. Yeah. When you're older, you can fucking forget about it. Stress management, you know, if you're young you can you know be super stressed out final exams job loss job gain relationships and still make gains whereas if you're older 
that might not be the case anymore. I will say one thing, and this is why this last piece of kind of observation I just gave about stress levels doesn't really seem to be something I've needed to say often, and here's why. Most, but not all, older people are just psychologically better at handling stress than young people. Yeah. Like most mm -hmm. of you guys right now that I'm talking to are 50 times calmer than you were 10 or 20 years ago. You guys remember being in like high school, everything was a fucking nuclear uh, accident. Nightmare. Yeah. Nightmare. You're just like a. F Go ahead. Yeah, nightmare. I, uh, yeah, I can I yeah. can recall the horrific yeah. levels of stress. Oh yeah, and and you think back to what it was, and you were like, it was fucking whatever. Yeah. You know, now you got like 55 year olds. Are, are literally, you would objectively assume the most stressed people on the planet. Like, most CEOs that run multinational companies are in their 50s and 60s. Like, if you're a CEO in their 40s, like, that's actually pretty impressive. It's pretty rare. Mm. 30s is really rare. Fucking, fucking Nick Shaw, that cocksucker, Renaissance periodization. Anyway, <laughs> um, but like, when you're in your 50s, you're a wise older man, you're a wise older woman, and you just handle your shit better. So, I haven't met that many people who are older and have problems with stress because they're usually good at coping by then or they're dead, <laughs> right? Yeah. Now, there are a small percentage of people that still like get, should get to them crazy, crazy amounts under their skin. Um, usually those people don't prioritize training and stuff like that. Most of the people that train and invest in their health, at least have been for years, learn intuitively how to manage stress pretty fucking well when they're in their 50s, right? Yeah. Anyone that comes to mind. Do you guys know what I mean by that? Yeah, yeah I know exactly what you mean. And I think uh, part of it is making deliberate choices to streamline your lifestyle and move your life in the directions yeah. you want. And another part is just conditioning. You just get better yeah. at managing work stress and, and all that kind of stuff. It's, you know, it's not new and crazy every day to you like it was when you were younger. Hundred percent. And another thing that is in line with your comment of streamlining your life, you're just not tempted to do as much dumb shit when you're older. Yeah. Like you know, if you're 22 and someone's like, uh, you know, hey man, I heard that there's this cool party on the other side of town and there's gonna be fucking, you know, tons of fucking pussy or tons of dicks that we can ride over Clans there. Let's out. do it. <laughs> you're like, you know, you fly your fucking plane made of pure cocaine over there as soon as you can and then two days later you wake up in a fucking ditch in the bush and you're like oh, i guess that was a pretty sweet party right like yeah, yeah, yeah. fine yeah. but like when you're 55 and someone's like hey you know we're going out for drinks after the dinner do you want to come you're like oh what time is it nope go fuck yourself i'm gonna sleep <laughs> like yeah. so it's just it's one of those things that you i'll put it this way if you haven't figured out basic shit like that when you're in your 50s you're probably an alcoholic and you have severe relations. You're like Darren and Damo in real life, right? Yeah. Like, you got bigger issues than weight training. Yes, absolutely. Okay, very cool. And uh, to uh, seal the deal and, and wrap things up for this uh, older demographic hitting the uh, the gym trying to get jacked, um, what about supplements? I, I, I know that you have the, the Renaissance uh, hierarchy and, and subs for, for uh, you know, the younger demographic have a, have a small place. And we're talking about over-the-counter supplementation, of course. Um, sure. What uh, anything more relevant, more maybe omega, you know the uh, omega threes when you're older, um, just micronutrient supplementation in general when you're older. Like, what are your thoughts there? Any more yeah. emphasis on that side of things? So number one is have a healthy, well balanced diet with plenty of whole grains, fruits, and vegetables. That's going to take care of most stuff. Yep. Omega three supplements are probably a good idea. Uh, vitamin D supplements might be beneficial, although if you get a lot of sunlight, that's probably not an issue. 
Um, and then a multivitamin is good just to kind of round out your basis to make sure you're getting everything squared away. For muscles and training, creatine shows incredible promise in older adults. And of course, uh, supplementing with a whey protein or casein protein, whey protein in the workout window, casein protein before bed is a really good idea. It's one of those things people say, you know, oh, like, you know, people say like, oh, you don't need supplements. You can just eat food. Yeah, when you're older, you're going to take every advantage that you can. Yeah. And because you probably no longer in the financial position of can't afford casein protein, uh, then yeah. it's probably a good investment. So those would be my top supplements. Um, and uh, I think that that just about covers it, uh, except for, like I said, be in touch with your medical care provider. Yeah. Get at least annual blood work done to see if you're deficient or low on any vitamins, minerals, etc., and keep an eye on that, and maybe you'll have to take some individual supplements to rectify those particular issues. Beautiful. I think that we uh, summed up the the conversation and, and, and wrapped things up very well there, Mike. Cool. If you just didn't pay attention this entire time, as soon as you hit your 50s, it's pointless to go on. Just try to find a way to kill yourself that's entertaining to all the rest of us. <laughs> yeah, I like yeah. that cocaine plane sleeping in a ditch type thing. That, that to me, sounded pretty good. Now, if you threw magic mushrooms in, Tommy would have been on board. He, 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 was, he loves a bit of that psychedelic hey, seriously? action. Yeah. It, seriously? Are we allowed to talk about that on the podcast? Yeah, sure. sure. Like Tom's, Tom loves that sort of stuff. Oh, my God. I am, yeah. I'm I'm involved for sure. Yeah, interesting. Oh well, that yeah. might be a um, well, that might be a conversation for another day because <laughs> it's it is uh, something you you've been thinking about. Well, it just it, it you know it the helps put all of these things into perspective, Mike. And I can uh, now that you've said that, I understand um, how you feel about your life once you stop competing. Nudge, nudge, wink, there you wink. Go, man. Yeah. That might be a nice segue, uh, Mike. So you are actually out in um, yes. out in Sydney uh, soon. So you're doing a bit of a, a, a tour down under with us. We're going to smack some ciggies and, and uh, you know, put on a, uh, some seminars. Do you want to uh, give us uh, a bit of an overview of what's going to happen there? You're coming out, uh, I think, all, all around the East Coast, yeah? Yeah, so... Uh, can I give the whole summary? Yeah, yeah man. Yeah, yeah, give yeah, it out. Go for it. So, yeah, the 14th, we got a seminar in Brisbane, which I'll be advertising on my Instagram and Facebook shortly. Yep. Um, and the 16th, another seminar in Brisbane um, again. On the 17th, we got a workshop in Warrior Performance with that fucking cunt, Shannon Green. <laughs> <laughs> hey, um, Shannon. Shout out. And, yep. Shannon, I always considered a woman's name, but that's neither here nor there. <laughs> um, so, 17th, Shannon Green's Word Performance is going to be an awesome, awesome seminar. Yep. By the way, all the stuff that we talk about seminars is stuff we rarely touch on in any sort of depth or at all in any of our online work. So, it really is a unique learning experience. It's not the same shit we talk about usually. Um, Dr. Hoffman's going to give a recovery talk that always blows people away. Melissa Davis is going to talk about dieting strategies. Um, uh, particularly if you coach clients, if you're a client yourself, for vacations, for trips, for all the difficult stuff, diet motivation, diet psychology. Yeah. I mean, a lot of folks are coming to these seminars are going to be trainers and coaches themselves. Yeah. And boy, have we all, all run into clients where you're like, how the fuck do I make this person successful? Yeah. Um, mm. She's going to talk about a whole lot of that. She's actually a neuroscientist, so she has a really strong background in psychology. Um, awesome. I'll be talking about my usual bullshit, how to make your dick longer. 
shit like that. Um, <laughs> had to get your cl <laughs> clams out if, you, if you're a female. Exactly. Still a lot of research going on because my shit is the same size as it's always been, unfortunately. But I've learned a lot of ways to fail, so I'll be sharing those with you so that you don't fuck up and have the same small dick you always did. Um, 17th, that, that's there. And then the 19th, we're doing a, a workshop in Melbourne at PTC Roeville. Uh, and all that stuff's going to be online very soon. Some of it already is on my Instagram and Facebook. So um, that's the deal. We're going to come. Tosh, we love, sort of between all of us, myself, Melissa Davis, and James Hoffman, we are in love with the country and people of Australia. Um, uh, it's, <laughs> we can hear, I, I can literally listen to the Australian accent. I don't care what the fuck you guys are saying. It all sounds great. Yeah. And the attitude is amazing. Yeah. I, every time I go, to Sydney, I go to a Macca's and I watch bin chickens fight each other while I eat <laughs> ridiculously undersized chicken nuggets because in the United States, we are fatter than you and we have all our food is supersized, yeah. but your food tastes better than ours. So I just that's have to order trade. double of everything. That's, that's fine. That's fine. And, and, and this time around, it looks like uh, Tommy's going to have some uh, magic mushies <laughs> in with those, uh, with those McNuggets. So uh, looking forward to that. You know what? If that ends up happening, that would be fucking amazing. <laughs> all right. We'll see what we can do. And okay. all, the, all those dates are for June as well for the listeners yeah. out there. So and, and those are all June, June. correct. Yeah. And uh, on your Instagram, so what's the Instagram there? Just uh, Is it Dr. Yep. Isertel? At R-P-D-R-M-I-K-E, R-P Dr. Mike. Beautiful. Um, on Instagram. If you go to an Instagram account and it's pictures of a not so good looking guy with his clothes mostly off, that that's me. That's that guy. <laughs> yeah, not not my uh, Instagram account. That's, that's his one. I'm the other the not so good looking guy. Oh, There's a lot of awesome. that on Instagram. Absolutely awesome to have you on the uh, program again, uh, Mike. A pleasure as always, and I'm, I am, am going to make uh, my way down to uh, to Warrior Performance to that that mofo uh, Shannon Green, who who his missus is uh, recently married. Uh, 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 Lauren, uh, she probably is more Jack than uh, Shannon. Maybe it's the the girly name that uh, you know keeps him from looking uh, super super Jack. But I'm going to go down yeah. to Shannon's. Good guy down there. I will see you there. That sounds great. You know, Shannon, when you're more Jack than Shannon, that's just not something you want to brag about to people. It's not much of an accomplishment. <laughs> Thank you, Doctor Mike. Wonderful to have you on. Okay, mate. Talk to awesome. you again soon. Thank Thanks, you so mate. much, guys. Take care. See you. Bye. What an entertaining, hmm. entertaining Human. little piece of repartee there with Dr. Mike Isretel. <laughs> He's fantastic. Yeah. Let one out of the bag at the end there about the uh, about the mushrooms. Well, look, I mean, he's only human. Why wouldn't he want to go on a, uh, a mushroom journey with yourself, Tom? Uh, yes, yes. Even yes. I'm tempted not. Yes. Well, we uh, discussed Cam, about on the other hand, he'll have some mushies. Yeah, yeah, Cam. Loves Cam's, the mushies. Cam's up for it. Yeah. He's top knot. That's a discussion for another day on the psychoactive yes. plants, but I think it's one worth having. Yep. Yeah, well, there you go, Rorden. I mean, I guess that, that all makes sense when it's put like that. We have this declining bell curve mm. in results, mm. which pretty mm. much mirrors our androgen status mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. uh, it's whether you're uh, natural or enhanced it still follows that same curve mm. you just start from a different baseline I guess and health comes into it you know how far what are you willing to push for I guess well look I mean uh, at the end of the day more is always better Tom that's what you got to uh, remember the TDM yes. uh, TDM way but yeah. uh, I thought it was really a really nice way of putting 
you know, with those, okay, there are a few uh, concepts that he's uh, made famous, the minimum effective, maximum mm. adaptable, but how when the well, when the, the years creep up on you, what once was no longer is, mm. you know, and where we, where we uh, a minimum effective then becomes min- maximum adaptable. Yeah. So really, it's just maintaining, and then you've just got to, uh, you know, start, it's like you're you're on the edge of that slippery slope, and it's and it's and, you know the, the, it's getting steeper and steeper, and you're finding it harder and harder to keep yourself at the top of that slope. So yeah. sooner or later, you do have to slide down that uh, slippery uh, slope of losing muscle mass and uh, just accepting the fact. So yeah. not there yet, Tom. But uh, I think he did say if we, we we sort of quadruple dosages in the in the 50s, you'd be okay. I think yeah. that was my uh, take-home message there. So uh, onward onwards and upwards, Tom. Very good. Very good. And of course, he's coming out. Uh, so here we with uh, Dr. James Hoffman and uh, Dr. Melissa uh, Davis here in uh, Sydney, June seventeenth for our listeners. We know we got the date for that one. And then down in Melbourne, I think for JPS was it uh, at the uh, evidence-based conference? Yes, JPS Health and Fitness organising that one, Friday the twenty-second of June. And then he's doing a few others, as you heard, uh, all over the place. But uh, <laughs> he mumbled his way through those. But yeah, just <laughs> keep, keep an eye on. Uh, yeah. I think RP Dr. Mike on Instagram. I'm pretty sure he'll throw stuff on, up on there if you're not already follow him. Yep. Uh, but he'll let you know when the the, the, the tour dates are uh, getting a little bit closer. All right. Well, thanks very much for listening once again. You guys are awesome, mm-hmm. and uh, we'll and talk Cam's to you awesome again too. soon. Yeah, he is.